This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr Joe North. This podcast episode was such a treat to record. I loved my conversation with Brian Tam. Brian's based in Lisbon. He works with small to medium-sized businesses, entrepreneurs all around the world to help them innovate and grow. He's a creative strategist. And he's only moved to Lisbon pretty recently. Before that, he was in Shanghai, working with large corporations across China. And prior to that, he is from the States. So he's got loads of different global experience and perspectives on innovation. We talk about thinking, the importance of reflection. We talk about how to think about and scan and work in a changing world and what AI could mean for us, how we're using AI. And Brian gives some really great tips on things we can use AI for to help our creativity and our brainstorming, as well as to drive more efficiency. We also explore topics around workshops and great techniques and and collaboration. So I think you will absolutely love this episode and get all sorts of different things from it. I know I learned a lot. So enjoy and Brian and I would love to hear what you think. Get in touch and let us know. Brian, welcome to the Idea Time show. I know that you love making, creating, building. You say that you could talk business and strategy all day long, so we're in for an absolute treat. And I just love your creativity. I mean, we've not met before. We've only been speaking for a few minutes right now, but we've connected, haven't we, on social yeah. media, mainly via Instagram and then LinkedIn. I've read your book. So let's kick off, if you would, by just tell everybody who you are, what you do, and then how you came to do what you do. My name is Brian. I'm the founder and CEO of Let's Make Great. I call it a creativity consultancy only because I don't know what else to call it. I mean, what is creativity and what is a consultancy, right? So I just thought, put them together and that could be anything. And I think that would allow me, that, that title or, or organizational type of creativity consultancy, that allows me to do whatever I need to do for the clients. And so over the past 10 years, I've been running it now for 10 years, since 2013, that has enabled me to, to cover a lot of ground. And before that, I was in the training industry for a number of years. And then before that, I was in, in the innovation department within a hotel. And then before that, I was in school um, back in 05. So a bit of time has passed, not, not the most, but uh, I, I feel like I'm in this stage in my career where I can really have a little bit of perspective and just the touch of that youthful uh, naivety that I, I wish I, I still had more of, to be honest. But uh, that's how I came to be in a super short nutshell. I want to leave more space for back and forth. Yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. And just tell us what, if there is such a thing, a typical day, I imagine there isn't, but what a typical day right. looks like for you, because you moved to Lisbon, didn't you? And yeah. you, you work out of there. I know you work internationally as well. So what's a day in the life or, or examples of a day in the life of a creative consultant, just so we can get a flavor of what you do? You know, I think a lot of it right now is 
in transition in the rebuild. So where I started the company was in Shanghai, Shanghai, China. And so there we were working with multinationals. And now I've pivoted more towards working with individual entrepreneurs and uh, founders so of small, medium sized businesses, blah, blah, blah. In the morning, I wake up and around eight. So this was a perfect call time. Thank you for that. Have my coffee, start my reflection. I think about what I want to write about because I, I try to write every day and a post on social. That's what you've been uh, seeing and reading. And that also involves some graphics. All of that probably takes 15, 20, 30 minutes, depending on how much of the graphic I have and how inspired I am. Uh, I try to have my first meetings around 10, maybe a coffee with my partner before park so that we can enjoy this lovely Lisbon weather. That's why we left Shanghai is just to enjoy life a little bit more. And then, you know, calls all day. I have my standard lunch of a salad every single day, same salad every single day for now, two, three years. And it feels great. Yeah, more calls, more meetings. I mean, nothing crazy and special, but client stuff. And then, yeah, that that's it. I mean, I don't think I have a very remarkable day, to be honest. It just, I think the most important thing is that I try to leave space for reflection. And I think that's what's different in my life now. Um, and mm -hmm. that's what I, I think is remarkable. The amount of time that I leave for reflection. Whereas before, I think in my 20s, I might have fought that overdrive the overthinking yeah right? yeah the, and, the busy right busy now, mind yeah yeah having things it's, done and so many ideas so little time to do them all all of that i, I really relate to that for sure and i yeah. think the the reflection shows in your work and we'll, I'll, i'd like to come on to that in a second i'm really interested in your pivot from large corporates into small to medium-sized businesses and, and founders so what drove that? Was it the, who you enjoyed working with the most or is the, is the market different in Lisbon? What's the rationale yeah. for that? Well, it's multi-part, of course, right? Uh, as any strategist might say. <laughs> and so back in Shanghai, we were working with multinationals for eight or nine years at, as the entity that I had, uh, Let's Make Great. And, you know, we did a lot of workshops and we did a lot of consulting projects and all that. But it always left me wondering, like, after that project ends, after that workshop finishes, where is the impact? And, you know, occasionally you'll get the follow up of the participants who privately message you. Or if you have a good relationship with your clients, which I always tried to do, uh, they would tell you a little bit more. But I never felt like the participants on the whole really cared as much as I wanted to care and as much as I, I cared. And so to put it bluntly, it wasn't as fulfilling as I felt like it could be. And I didn't get into this work to do unfulfilling work. You know what I mean? And after a while, I was like, okay, money was fine. Pandemic hit. And so we weren't doing, or I knew the corporate budgets would be slashed or would be gone, basically eviscerated. And we need to go online. So we went online working with individuals, individual founders, which I had already started to do in bits and bobs as a on the side just for fun. And I realized like entrepreneurs actually care. It is an existential problem for them. And if they don't get their strategy and their branding and their mind right, the business will fail. I realized by developing myself and building my business and also working with my team, building up their personal brands as individual consultants for the, the company, then we were able to, I already had those skills and it was very intuitive to translate a lot of those frameworks and innovation, and then the, the experience of building my own company and building the personal brands of my team back into the brands and the, the, the strategy of the founders that I might work with. So it just felt 
much better, to be honest. I mean, the joy and the sincere satisfaction and the impact and the realization that people kind of come back to over and over again, it's great. I mean, you're working on multiple levels here, right? You're working yeah, on, yeah. again, the mindset, the business, the brand, the expression, the products, blah, blah, blah. And you get to just, yeah, the, so then the depth of that engagement is a lot more. Maybe a little less dynamic, that's what I was about to say, because you just have so much energy in a workshop room, right? You're working with 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 participants, and you're leading them through the you know innovation process. And that's exhilarating, but it's fleeting too. I can see that. And your passion for working with entrepreneurs and, and doing having that more holistic approach to creative strategy, you know, that that really deep approach with them, I can see that really lights you up, which is wonderful. I tend to work with both and I yeah. like the diversity of that. I've got some corporate clients who I've worked with for over a decade, you know, so there's a lovely continuity there. So it's not always all the time. But um, yeah. I'll come in and out as yeah. the different things are needed and as the business evolves and changes and, and as the world around changes as well. And then I love working with individual entrepreneurs and startups as well. And I think there's a lot of transferability, isn't there? And I think right. that's one way we can help small businesses, actually, is to bring some of that big business thinking in, but in the right way, you know, in a way that's helpful and practical for a small business to use. What you were saying about reflection time, I think that really shows from the very moment I discovered your feed for myself on Instagram, just really wowed by the thoughtfulness of your creativity. You seem to be a very visual thinker. You just take a concept and distill it down and then present it in a really creative, thought-provoking way every single time. And, and your graphics are really simple. I mean, they're yellow, black, and white, just simple lines, simple shapes. So what's the secret to thinking differently? What's the secret to seeing life differently and getting to the heart of the matter? And then having that skill of just really expressing it super clearly and in a thought-provoking way. How do you do all of that? It's amazing. First of all, thank you for describing it in that way. You know, it's always interesting to hear how it gets portrayed, right? And how it how it gets filtered through someone else's minds. Uh, because when you're in the work itself, it is a complete mess. <laughs> and so every day as I'm writing and, and doodling and drawing, it doesn't feel like that clarity that you're describing or that kind of expressiveness and that simplicity. A lot of it just feels like angst <laughs> and confusion and frustration. Right. And, yeah. you know, and, and I think that it's worth pointing that out because I think that's what stops a lot of people from continuing on in the path of exploring and drawing and writing and expressing themselves. I want to point out that I'm not a designer, and I think that also helps to show people who are also similarly not designers or artists or have any kind of quote unquote creative or artistic skill that they can't draw a smiley face to to save their lives. I'm not that different, right? And and I certainly wasn't trained in it, but I loved it and I found it curious and I found it, you know, when I when I graduated school and I started reading Seth Godin, I was wondering like why aren't why aren't all business books written in this way? Why are they written in such a confusing and abstract way? And why aren't they written in a more direct way? And so that clearly was one of my early inspirations back in 05, 06. I remember reading his book for the first time. And, you know, I didn't think much of it, but until I started, when I had to start writing for myself, 
I realized like I, I took a lot of that um, same bite-sized way of thinking. And in the bite-sized form, it allows you to ex or to focus in and also to explore a lot more freely, which I don't know if you can already tell in this conversation, we've been jumping around from place mm. to place and yeah, um, that's just, just how the mind works. Yeah. And so I, I think that's really key is like falling into the flow of how your mind might work and tracking that, just writing down and tracking it, and then going back at a later time and editing it. So that's the process or that's, you know, and, and I'm not describing it in a linear way, but I hope from the non-linearness of this, you can see that the non-linearness of it, the randomness, the chaos, the confusion is the way itself. And yeah. to go through that. Yeah. yeah, it's how the neurons connect, isn't it? It's how the brain works. The brain is, is always connecting all sorts of things in different ways. And, yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. People give up because it feels chaotic and it's not making sense. But I think if you're going to have breakthrough thinking or if any of us are going to have breakthrough thinking, we need to have something to break through. There's got to mm. be some resistance, some challenge, some issue to, to work through so that we can get through to the side and come up with something really valuable. But as I look at you know your, your book, Original, which is spelt A-W dash R-I-G dash N-A-W-L, Original Creativity. I mean, that's creativity in itself. And um, it's inspirations on chaos, originality and transformation. You know, it's just so, so thought provoking. You say... Actually, I've just opened the book randomly and you say creativity is the accumulation and blending of multiple perspectives. Oh, that yeah. sounds you good. Yeah. And you said spending a day in New York, you'll immediately be presented with an eclectic mess. And we need this. We need this openness for this diverse points of view and so on. So and then you, you distill it down. So how do you get to that really clean distillation? Through the mess, right? Again, I... And, and it's through step one, mess, step two, look at it again, step three, throw away everything else, right? Until you find the heart of it. And, you know, I, I wrote that. It surprised me because I don't actually recognize my own words there because I've been writing for so many years that have covered the same topic so many times that I don't know which formulation of that is the one you're referencing. So I, I don't remember specifically, except that New York bit. I remember writing that eventually. I think that's another piece of it. Because even after I've gone through the chaos, even after I've edited it, even after I've published it, I will go back to those ideas. And those ideas are the ones that I care about most. And by going back over and over and over again, it becomes a little clearer, a little more of the essence each time. And or maybe I explore a slightly different twist or nuance to that original idea. And I, I think the key to that is not being afraid to cover the same ground again. And I think a lot of innovators, a lot of creatives, uh, I know for myself, that was something I really thought about. I was like, uh, do I want to talk about this again? I mean, I feel like I've done it already. I mean, isn't I should move on to something new. And that that passion and drive to explore is so strong and so vast that it can prevent us from finding deeper clarity on maybe a handful of topics that we really care about. It's, it's returning to the source of the ideas and going back mm -hmm. through it again and again and exploring it. It's a hobby. I do intuitive mixed media art, and that's splodging some paints, doing some collage, doing some drawing, you know, all Beautiful. sorts of random junk that I find around and, and turn it into something that looks like something. It's a process of layering. And one mm. layer, even if it's completely covered up by the next layer, you know, the next layer wouldn't be there without the first layer being underneath it. And I oh, think yeah. our thinking is like that, isn't it? You know, our thinking is layered. We, we wouldn't get to that thought over there if we hadn't had all these other thoughts over here. And I suppose the, the creative process you're describing 
is like starting and scaling a business, isn't it? We've got all the mess, all the, the different opportunities. We could be doing this, thinking about these other things. We need to get all that down, but then it's about distilling it and having that really clear focus about moving forward, particularly in these yeah. very uncertain times. I mean, you talked about moving from Shanghai, you know, the COVID impact over to Lisbon. And right. fortunately, that's we're in a much better situation. But we've got some big issues, haven't we, that startups and entrepreneurs need to tackle and, and work with and integrate. So sustainability, climate change, hugely important, of course. A bit of an understatement saying it's hugely important. AI, you know, and what we do with yeah. it. And people were saying about AI, oh, yeah, but you'll never be able to replace human creativity. And I'm sort of thinking, well... It's pretty creative, you know, AI can be really good. So what's your view on all of this and how startups can be and, and scale-ups and, and businesses of all sizes, corporates too, working with this and moving forward in this really amazing period of history that we're in? Beautiful question. And I'd love to hear your answer too, right? Um, I think yeah, you can only do it if you care about it. You can only work in these areas if you truly are are passionate about it. I, I think they're so big and vast that if you don't have the energy and passion and internal motivation to want to dig into these very meaty problems, you're just not going to. And that's not to say you should or shouldn't, but I'm just saying, do you have it in you? And I think that's the first question that you should ask, especially as an entrepreneur, you don't have infinite time and money and, and energy. So where's your natural energy going to lie? And if we can focus in and leverage that natural energy first, then it'll be much easier. Because if you ask me to talk about climate change, I'm not going to do it convincingly. I know we should be doing it. I'm doing my part, you know, as far as I know, but I'd, I'm not going to be working in it specifically. Not, it's not to say again, that I won't be helping others who are doing that. I won't be doing it directly because it's not my passion fully yet. And even, even as I'm saying that, I know my passion and interest around that is changing. Same with AI. I find it interesting, but it's it's not going to be everything for me. I'm using it. It's a, one of the tools in my toolkit, sure. And I'm curious to know how I can use it more and more. Uh, I'm not deeply passionate about it. So that's the first question that I, I think you really have to consider, right? And then secondly, as you ha take your own position, you, you check your barometer of passion on these various topics, Say, or going back a few hype cycles, to NFTs and crypto. Definitely wasn't into that. It could have been, but I wasn't. So, you know, I let that one go almost entirely. And this just goes on and on. I, and I think you really have to pick your battles. So number mm -hmm. one, pick or uh, check your barometer of passion. Number two, then uh, talk to others who are more passionate about it and see if you're missing something. And as you do that, you realize probably that there are opportunities for you to, to increase or, or to nudge your, yourself along that that progression in, in deeper interest. But these problems are so big. And these questions, they're not problems, but these questions are so big mm -hmm. that it will take a lot of energy and also mo many minds to figure it out. So that's my quick take on, on this question. How, um, how do you take it? I take it the same way. I think, I think it's great to be generally up to speed with developments. So that doesn't mean that we need to be have in-depth knowledge of absolutely everything, because that would be impossible but at least not avoid it because we're fearful of it or we don't understand it. I think if we don't understand something, you know, let's just find out enough so we've got a general, we can make a general decision about how we want to dive into it. 
And I think there are some things that whether we're interested in them or not, we've got to work with because that's the world we're in. I think every innovation ideally needs to be sustainable, you know, conscientious in terms of the impact it has on the planet. At least, you know, if do no harm, preferably put something back and and do a bit of good. With AI, I think competitors will be using AI in all sorts of sectors in, in many different ways. And if we don't think about how we can use that, then we'll lose productivity benefits, creativity benefits, and, and so on. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the mindset of the entrepreneur to be constantly scanning and right. seeing what's out there, thinking how the economy is changing. And I only mentioned a couple of big issues, but obviously, you know, um, economy, political uncertainty, there's lots of big things to tackle. And that's where I think business can make a really big difference in terms of being responsible, but scanning and saying, how is the fact that I'm in business or this corporate or or this startup's in business, how is it being successful going to make a positive impact on the world? And Mm -hmm. I think it's for everybody to work out that for themselves and every business to, to work that out as well. I think we're we're aligned in that regard, and and I love that you added this idea of um, the scanning element and to to always be updated to a certain degree, right? I mean, mm. you know, that's what Twitter is really good for. That's what reading the headlines is really good for. And and for me, my my way is to talk to people who know who are a little bit more in depth in that, and then hearing from them their takes, because then I can I can bounce the ideas back and forth, and also they will probably introduce some new tool or or aspect or some some idea that I haven't thought about, especially with AI. And I think that's, um, we're still so early in this process of integrating it. I see AI not as a, a replacement, but as a kind of like the ultimate intern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just having as many, you know, interns as you can and having a whole bunch of them, they would be able to do that kind of work, especially for right, for right now. Um, and, and eventually those interns will, will grow up and add value to your ecosystem in some other way, right? So I'm excited in that to, to learn more about it. In fact, I like the description of the intern. I Isn't that what it stands for? Artificial intern? Is that it? <laughs> I like that. That's really, that's really cool. Um, I was talking to a business online the other day and we were talking about their growth strategy and, and so on and their, their innovation plans. And my recommendation to them was to use AI as a really, you know, hyper intelligent, fast thinking, capable, but inexperienced member of the team, right? right? Uh, Because some things will be incorrect, some things are wrong, it does misunderstand the stuff, but it can think really quickly, it can get its head around complex questions, you know, it's a fantastic resource with some limitations, Mm -hmm. and those limitations will be, will just get better and better over time, won't they? I love that introduction or that nudge towards getting somebody onto the on-ramp to see how much, how far they would go and to, to fill it out. Because I think if you're too far away, you won't, you won't understand it, right? You will have all our preconceived notions about it and disregard it, right? Yeah. And I think that's a lost opportunity. I think that's what you're, you're saying. But I also want to say like, if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. So give yourself time to see where the opportunities are to slot it in. The amazing thing is that it does slot in in many different areas. So think of it as an intern, like where, where can you get an intern to do some work? And then you could think, all right, where can you get a really smart intern to do some work? And that's kind of probably where you're at. And you do have to train them up. I'm using this tool called Cody.ai. You can feed it documents and train it on specific material 
and then use this chat interface to pull data out of it. Wow. So for example, if you had a, a manual, you can upload that manual into it and it could then, uh, then you can ask the questions and reference the manual uh, in a certain way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot more specific than ChatGPT, for example, but also, yeah. Uh, yeah. and has a lot more applications in that way. With a business I'm working with, we're using ChatGPT and integrating it with another tool and all the you know policies, procedures, manuals, documents for the business are there so that you can just ask a question in a chat function and it will search all of those and give you, and the answer will pop up and hopefully yeah. um, save people a lot of time so that there's lots of, lots of potential with it. Where else are you using it? I like to create stuff and then put it through the AI and ask it to improve on it. You know, mm. give me a perspective, write it in a different style and just, just play around with and see how I can improve my own thought process and strengthen mm -hmm. my own work. So I really like to use it that way. It can be super fast in terms of taking, you know, we'll, we'll get right. our podcast transcript from today and put that through AI and ask it to do a summary, Incredible. which you'll need tweaking, you know, so, so there's some time saving things and then there's some building things. And I, I use, um, there's a whole sort of technology AI stack of different tools, yeah. you know, to, to help write better and be more yeah. self-aware around the communication right. and the tone. I think it's, um, it's an incredible, I'm also using AI, a tool called Synthesia, it's really cool, right? You just upload a script, a Word document, put your branding mm -hmm. in, pick the presenter, pick the accent you want, pick the style, and they'll deliver training videos for you. And it's something, I don't know, $15, $20 right. a month or something like that. Right. And we're using that in organizations as well. Oh, so, cool. and people love it. Can what I... are your other favorites? I'm still very much using ChatGPT along with Cody.ai, two separate tools. For ChatGPT, I am taking my meeting notes and plugging it in so that I have my summaries. And it's really raw notes, and then it'll feed it back to me in a more polished form, and I like that. I'm also using it to run some quick analyses. So I have um, some data sets that I have been tracking for myself, and I'll ask it to analyze that data for me. Also use it as a brainstorming partner hasn't actually produced anything that I've used, but it's given me all the wrong directions. Like, like this is the most basic intern. This is why I like that mm -hmm. analogy is because yeah, the intern doesn't get it yet, but they can show you by not getting it, what it is that you might actually want. And that helped, that has helped me sharpen my thinking in that way. So it's kind of a sparring partner. I've also used it in kind of case study analysis. So I will ask it to take the role of potential clients and then to to talk about uh, and practice the process of consulting there and just sharpening around all these different ways. Scripts, of course, throwing it in there, seeing how they would brush it up and, and adjust it. Articles, I've also thrown it in there just to see what it would say and how it would do it differently. Yeah, all these different little tools, a little functions, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this is just the, the free version. I know I have some friends who are using the paid version, which is more powerful. And, and they can take it so much further. And it's really tempting uh, right now to, to see if I want to do that. I took the leap with that. And it's a, um, from my perspective, it's a good investment of $20 a month yeah. or whatever it is. You know, I think you can have something like 25 prompts over three hours. But then, you know, if you've had those and you've used them all up, then you can just go on to the default 3.5. So right. it's, it's great. There's this whole new phrase coming up, which is a prompt yeah. engineer. 
So actually learning how to ask the right questions, that is such a good skill to have anyway, isn't it? Asking the right questions. And it's an important skill in innovation and creativity and growth. I think a lot of people think innovation starts with ideas. You think it can, you know, you can have an idea and then work backwards. But I think purposeful creativity starts with spotting a problem and a problem that really needs fixing and then having ideas about the problem. I am assuming your audience is or other innovation related people. And so they probably heard that a thousand times. And I was thinking, as you said that, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely true. I don't know, you know, being in China, they have a very different approach to problem solving and it's not wrong, right? They, they, they just came up through the culture and education system coming up with a different way of solving problems. And, and first going there in 2007 from America, I was very arrogant and thought like, no, you know, the American way is the best way. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, I should also okay. add. So I'm extra, extra, extra arrogant. Um, and going there and butting heads with the system and the culture and, and it not working, like my way, not working, not fully at least. And of course you make some gains, but you you there's a lot of frustration in that being a young, arrogant 20 year old. And then over time realizing that their way, there's a lot of merit to it. So this kind of centralized authority inside companies, you know, it's very top-down hierarchical. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's something else. Until you experience it, you don't know what that means. It's yeah. incredible how um, they they can wait for the idea because, I, and I think it's more honest in some ways because there are many companies in the West that are still very top-down, but they don't they still play the game of, mm-hmm. of innovation and they want everybody to have the ideas, but it's not really true. They're just waiting for the boss to have the idea or the manager to have the idea. And then our job is to fulfill it, to make it happen, right? It's like that, except in China, they won't even bother with brainstorming their ideas, right? A lot of times, there are a lot of, and that's why they would invite me in is to show them how to do the brainstorming and Mm -hmm. how do we have the creative techniques and just what does it mean to be a creative inside, right? And then what does it mean to be a creative inside the company, inside yourself and then inside the company? And then uh, how do we really express that out uh, in a way that, we're fostering each other's creativity and also leveraging that. So I tried that, push it out hard for all those years in China. And then you saw like, wait a second, the most innovative companies coming out of China are not doing that per se. You know, I'm looking, I'm talking about the, the WeChats, Tencent, the Xiaomi's and the Huawei's. They are built on a very different platform of innovation where it's so product focused and it's not exactly problem focused. I was just really impressed by that and platform focused. And so after they have one success, they're able to leverage that and expand out that way and to build this kind of super platform on top of this one or two or three pillars. And and you don't really hear about that as much in the West. Facebook is trying it, but they're still not achieving any semblance of, of what they've achieved in China. And so what I want to say about that is that there's different takes to innovation and creativity. And I, I'm not sure that there's a single right one anymore. I've kind of unlearned that that dogma that we've had within innovation itself. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That said, the product and the platform exist to solve somebody's problem somewhere. So I think if we root cause it and keep asking, well, why does the platform exist? Even if it's that somebody's, you know, bored and wants some entertainment, it's solving that problem, right? Or it's contributing to solving that problem. So, but I love that. And it reminds me, I taught for eight years on the MSc of engineering management at the University of York. 
and had a huge group, about 80 to 100 students, amazing people. Large numbers of them were Chinese students coming from industry and having their year in York to, to learn, do their master's and then go back into the businesses that had sponsored them. And we had lots of fantastic conversations around the differences in innovation, but also the difference in challenge. As a lecturer, as a tutor, I wanted, you know, come on, ch- you know, challenge, tell me why you think I might have missed something or got something wrong or the things I'm sharing with you don't stack up yeah. for you. Where could there be some blind spots here? And we had some wonderful conversations about different styles and approaches and and so on, so which is lovely. Now, you said a lot of things in there which are fascinating. There's one thing I want to pull out, (laughs) which is the exploration of what it is to be a creative. And that's a creative in yourself, a creative within business, and how that manifests itself to the outside world. That was such a, a simple and powerful concept So how does that translate then into the entrepreneur? So when you're working with an entrepreneur, they are, in fact, creative. They're disrupting, they're they're making something, they're they're shaping a business that didn't exist before. How do they get to that? What are some of the processes, techniques that you use and the things you do with them? I can tell you a bit about the process or the principles that I want to take with that. And I think it is to first understand and help them understand who they are as an entrepreneur. I think part of that is, we are so deep into our own worlds that we don't understand our perspective and our experiences and our history has shaped our identity and, and our approach to the work that we do by reflecting and bringing that to the surface, then we can better understand what makes us unique in the market. And so we do spend a lot of time auditing and building awareness, auditing in the sense of asking your clients and your team and your partners in in the market how do they see you what is your unique strength how do they describe you to their friends right so that's a very simple audit that i encourage all my clients to do the second thing is through the awareness part we have a discussion around their values their vision their mission all that generic stuff but in adding a layer of understanding their personal history how did that come to be those values and that vision that's all great and their their mission it's all wonderful, but why is that? And how, where did that come from in your personal history? And by understanding all those things, you then take, you you have a better sense of how that might influence your strategy in the next phase. And so then you look at the business side of it, you look at the business model, you look at the components of the business model, the products and the services and how they're getting that to market and the marketing. And then you try to figure out why are they doing the strategy that they're deploying? And a lot of that has to do with the mindset that they have going back to that first half of the consultations around the awareness side. So we're going back and forth now from the business model and the strategy back into the mindset. And usually they want to try some new strategy, but they can't because they're still stuck in some of the old mindsets and belief systems. And so there we go back to the awareness side and we are go through the whole process of reframing discussion and exploring and to try to re-understand why they believe what they believe. And then to show them like, I mean, everybody believes something different or many people believe something different. It's very easy then maybe just to look at it slightly different. And then now you have a, you can, you can approach that with a slightly different strategy or the strategy that they want to deploy. And so that's the second phase. And then the third phase is making sure that they are continuing and actualizing that in a real way so that it's not just, they don't just fall back to the same patterns that they had 
that we explored in the first session or in the first phase of the consultation. I think it's wonderful that you're focusing on beliefs because, of course, beliefs shape actions. And sometimes we believe something without realizing that we have that belief. Sometimes it's not even our belief. It's a belief that we've just inherited or heard so often from other people that we take it on as our own. Just because we believe something doesn't mean that it's true. You know, there are other potential options that could be equally true and equally valid. And it might be more helpful to have that as a belief instead of the one that we have. But you're so right without surfacing all of that. We don't really know what's at the, the you know the root cause of our decision making and our actions and, and everything else and it, you're, you're so right it does play out all across it's so subconscious it's so yeah. subtle right and you know it's it's um, the series of a number of subconscious or or unconscious decisions over a long period of time and that's what we call strategy right the, yeah. the unconscious entrepreneur that's what they will call strategies they just continue to do the thing that they've always done but they have no understanding of why and if that's really what they want to do. So mm. uncovering that with them is uh, is an absolute joy. Yeah, and then getting them out of the comfort zone in a way that feels yeah. reasonably safe and doable. And I think, yeah, when, especially when it's a big move or a big pivot or something yeah. like that. And what we've got is working, right? But our heart is somewhere else or we can see the market is going in a different direction. And yeah. it's sort of that fear of letting go. It's that, it's that book, isn't it? What got you here won't get you there. We've got to let go of, of some things in order to, to move forward. And it's that whole process of letting go. Yeah, I had the idea for my business. And I think it was in about 2000. And I started the business in 2010. But I was in a, right. I was in a corporate job. You know, I was a director of train companies and doing different things. And it was the moving out of the comfort zone of having that salary. Mm-hmm. But I did it. And chose it and I haven't looked back since but I'm really grateful for all the other experience I had you know which have made this the layer um all that corporate stuff is the layer right. that made what I do today possible so it's really interesting can we talk a bit if that's okay about workshops and facilitation because a lot of our innovators are facilitators yeah. as well and, and running workshops I'd like to ask you about you know what do you what are your favorite sort of lesser known workshop favorite ones the one that popped in my head for some reason right now is at the end of a workshop this kind of uh, recognition game that we like to uh, play which is just giving them three posters and then sticking on the people that you want to recognize and write the action that they did and you need good posters for this this is important because a lot of times they're just falling and then (laughs) the ground is littered with them and you have no idea who said what and um and about what and so i haven't really seen done before and it's so energizing because everybody's up and then you're you're thinking positively like what do i want to say nice things about these people right so you're in that frame of mind and then finally reading the post-its about what other people said about you is so important in building your self-awareness and self-confidence mm-hmm. and so just as you said earlier as you were describing my writing and my my graphics i thought that was so valuable for me and and not in the sense that you're praising it that's kind of relevant but how you described it is really valuable for me and i think that's why i like this exercise is that it it pushes the awareness up uh, for people and especially as you're getting them to you're transitioning into action phase that's it's so important to have that that confidence 
I love that. And it also is good for the feedback giver, isn't it? There's lots of research that demonstrates oh, yeah. that by noticing the positive and expressing gratitude, we do ourselves a lot of good. And yeah. it's a way of expressing gratitude, actually. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a win-win in both directions. And tell us about the story prompt cards that you've got for innovation that I think are on the way. Oh, yes. It's called Proto, and we actually launched it back in 2017. They were a Kickstarter campaign that we uh, had. It's a set of cards uh, where you have four types of cards, and through that, you come up with different combinations of a business, and you're pitching that to your teammates or to the, the, the competitors that you have at the table with you, and they're giving you feedback and evaluating you so that you can progress on the, the game board that we have. And the further progress that you make, the higher impact that you make. But obviously, we know innovation and entrepreneurship is not linear, not easy. So there's also challenges. One of the four types of cards is challenges. So there we have outlined 30 different challenges that uh, every startup will face, and they will choose one challenge that will feel relevant to you. And then you have 60 seconds to respond and adjust your strategy to that. And so there's this level of spontaneity. There's this really hard emphasis on storytelling and creativity because you're improvising a whole new business in 60 seconds and then uh, you're getting feedback on that through uh, what others are saying and the the dice that they give you so this game allows people to experiment with innovation and entrepreneurship without in just one hour without all the pains (laughs) that most entrepreneurs have to get to so it really worked well with uh, some student groups that we had with entrepreneurs or entry level for a lot of entrepreneurship programs, just to get people into the mindset of uh, random collision, pitching ideas, collecting feedback, and seeing that the value was not in the idea, but in the feedback. And then of course, learning how to pivot and adjust. So yeah, we had a a really fun time developing that with the entrepreneurs in Shanghai uh, and other creatives like designers and architects and building that game up. We were somewhat unsure. While Shanghai was a very international community, entrepreneurs and innovators, we didn't, we weren't sure how it would play in the international market. So to have the success that it did on Kickstarter, we we're very, very proud of that. What you see on the website now is maybe version two. So that's coming out, or yeah, it depends on whenever I feel like when I'm up for it. But uh, but we have it. It's going to be launching soon, and yeah, I'm excited for that. Thank you for bringing it up because uh, it's always good to to relive that in your mind. A little mm. bit and get excited yeah. about it again they sound awesome i'm definitely getting on the wait list for version two and all sorts of, of groups of people that i will be using that with so thank you for, cool. for creating those they sound like an excellent resource and i'm sure that you know listening to you today there'll be people who want to reach out get in touch learn more please do follow Brian on Instagram if you're an Instagrammer. Also on LinkedIn, but I know you hang out more on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram would be the easiest for me, at Let's Make Great. So it's all one word, Let's Make Great. And I I love chatting. What you said in the intro, it's absolutely true. I respond to almost every message. Yeah, Let's Make Great on Instagram. I really love to hear what's going on in the worlds of other innovators. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Brian, it's been an absolute delight to speak with you and meet you. And I've loved our conversation. I could talk with you for hours, but I know, you know, you've got your day ahead of you and you need to go into the park and enjoy that Lisbon sunshine and get that salad and reflect, do great work. Brian, thank you very, very much indeed. Cheers. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.